Hello. Hello, and welcome back to Sustainability Warriors. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Dennis Teresi. Hi, thanks for having me. Do you want to tell us about yourself? Sure. I am a biology faculty member here at St. Ambrose. I am co-chair of the Sustainability Committee on campus, which is faculty, staff, and students who are trying to make a difference with regards to sustainability efforts, whether it's resource conservation, environmental protection, recycling, um, and then as additional components of that, I also co-advise Green Life um, with Dr. Amy Blair, the slug queen. And... (laughs) am also the co-director of the environmental studies minor. And I do have some fun sustainability-related news that is going to be breaking here on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. We're actually hiring. (gasps) So we have an undergraduate student worker who will be doing work-study stuff related to sustainability in the fall. And we actually just found out last week that we're going to be hiring a graduate student worker as well. So each of them are going to work about eight to ten hours a week on sustainability-related stuff, um, raising awareness and um, changing how campus interacts with environmental conservation. So if you know anybody who is work-study eligible or looking at graduate programs or a graduating senior who may not have a plan next year... Uh, feel free to reach out to me and we can talk about uh, the opportunity. Uh, the job posting should come out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but something exciting, we're, we're really changing how much we can do on campus. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Wow. All because of you and Amy. Wow. <laughs> There's 30 people on that committee. Uh, but yeah. It's, just you. Just you. Just well, thank you. <laughs> It has been fun, that's for sure. Uh, we're so excited to have Dennis on the podcast. I know. So we, we talk about like every episode. I know. And he's finally here. <laughs> he's here in the flesh. It does warm my heart to hear my name in <laughs> podcast episodes. I, I will admit that. Uh, uh, that's so fun. Okay. The first thing, okay, so we have a little uh, agenda here we want to talk about. The first thing that I have on here is... Laura and I took shots in the Beehive coffee shop. We were going to talk about this last week, but we forgot because we were, it was a whole big thing. But anyway, basically they had those stinger shots mm-hmm. and we just like did shots. In the we did the, it was the little, yeah. Okay. What do you think about that? Doing shots of stingers? Yeah. I think stingers are not of my generation. So like, energy drinks? Yeah, energy drinks with some sort of weird syrup flavor in it. Uh, that, I I missed that boat. Um, So Mm -hmm. doing shots would probably be better than like slow sipping it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you actually notice a difference? Like you took a shot and you felt hyped Mm -hmm. up? No. Probably not at all. I mean, they're not like concentrated. It's just like the stinger, but in smaller amounts. Right. It's not like concentrated. So it's like sparkling fruit juice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I would rather do that than a shot of coffee. So really, yeah. Yeah. You don't like coffee? No, I love coffee, but I wouldn't want to do a shot of coffee. I feel like coffee is something to be sipped, Mm -hmm. something to drink slowly and enjoy. Yeah. Mm. I guess I don't really know how like energy drinks affect me because one time I had two bangs in three hours and Mm. I was fine. Which people I tell people that and they're like. Uh, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally get what you're saying because whenever I drink caffeine, I don't get jittery. My wife, like, literally, she cannot have yeah. a whole coffee because she can't focus. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't get tired. You know, like, if I don't have a coffee, I feel tired after mm-hmm. two or three hours. If I do have a coffee, I feel like I can continue to focus and I find myself getting less distracted. 
Um, so that I don't feel like I want to go out and run a marathon or something like that, but it's probably because I'm addicted to coffee. Uh, I, I usually have two or three in a day. Really? So, yeah. What's your favorite type of coffee? Like if you go to a Starbucks, what do you get? I get a toffee nut mocha most oh. of the time. So if I go to Starbucks, I get something silly, um, not quite Ooh. stingers level silly, but, <laughs> oh. um, but when I'm at home, I, I make black strong coffee um just straight you can yeah. drink it straight yeah and honestly it's probably mostly from a health perspective um not loading up with a bunch of sugar and fats and other things like that That's so true. yeah i guess <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> the good news about being a young 20 something is you don't have to worry about those things for at least a little bit longer <laughs> just a, a little bit <laughs> a little like a few you'll, you'll be introduced to adulting soon enough <laughs> Enjoy those stinger shots while they last. Yeah, they're free, so. <laughs> um, our next topic is Emma's shoe got stuck in a crack, which I have no idea what that means. It, it makes sense. Okay, so after um, the, like, award brunch thing mm-hmm. at Nahant Marsh, mm-hmm. I was wearing, like, high heels, like, like thin ones. Mm-hmm. And I was walking out in the parking lot afterwards, mm. And this is relevant because Dennis was there, and this is just a funny story, so everyone has to know. So I'm just walking, and I'm walking, like, behind, like, my family and my boyfriend because I was wearing a skirt that didn't allow me to walk um, with the full range that I would like. So I'm walking behind, and then I step in a crack, and my heel sinks down into it, and I'm like, oh, haha. And then it doesn't come out, and I'm like, ah, because I start to, like, fall over. So they all come and, like, grab me and, like, pull me out of the crack. I was like, and it, like, left a little mark on my shoe. But I got literally stuck. Like, I thought I was going to break my heel off. I was going to say, I'm terrified for you as a runner, because, like, you could totally sprain your ankle or dislocate something trying to yank your foot out of there. Yeah, So they thought I was being dramatic, because I'm, like, a little dramatic. <laughs> just yeah, a little, a little dramatic. just a little, <laughs> a little and you did just win an award and everybody yeah. clapped for you yeah. so. so i was like <laughs> i need attention but um <laughs> even more attention <laughs> feed me <laughs> but no it literally got stuck and yeah it was really funny and like they didn't believe me for a second and i was like i can't move but yeah was your shoe okay yeah it was fine have you worn it since no i've not i haven't had an occasion to wear it so you may not be sure that it Oh, it's okay. fine. Okay. They're probably fine. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about, because I was really excited, I just registered for classes, for grad classes for this mm, fall. Yay. And I wanted to read the ones I'm taking. So I'm taking environmental justice oh. on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Ooh. building future leaders in sustainable development, a sustainable communities lab, and then analytic methods. Hmm. which I'm really excited for, especially, like, environmental justice and, like, all yeah. Yeah. that. But well, it seems like... SDGs is its own course. Yeah, so too. I'm super excited. Yeah, you're going to have to share all Wait. of those materials with the us. The UN is, like, by itself as a course? The UN one? The U... Yeah. And the SDG. SDGs. Yeah, yeah. which is really funny because when I read the title of that class I thought it said unsustainable development goals I'm like oh <laughs> this is interesting like they're gonna talk about like how these goals need to change right. I'm like oh it's United Nations <laughs> so I was like oh lol mm. <laughs> so smart <laughs> very different college experiences here <laughs> or is like yeah you win I got that yeah and I was like yeah unsustainability perfect <laughs> yeah I'm like oh, they're gonna debunk these myths break the mold <laughs> I was yeah. like oh yeah that makes more mm. sense well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. Cool. It's very exciting. Yes, and now we get to ask you the fun questions. Okay. 
And you can't see these. He hasn't seen them. I okay. have not seen them. So this is going to be a surprise. Surprise. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> is the next one just the normal one? Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite bathroom on campus? And why? So I am a very boring person. I oh don't explore campus all that much. Um, so I mostly go in Lewis, and you should avoid going in Lewis uh, <laughs> if you can. I once taught a class on fourth floor of Ambrose, and the oh. bathroom up there is terrible. Like, it has slats in the door. Oh. So you can, like, hear people walking oh. by. <laughs> I don't oh, like that. The, not the stall door? Like, no, the, door door. the actual door door. I think it's like a vent. Oh, it's sustainable, less materials. It is less <laughs> materials. That is true. Um, it might not be uh, psychologically sustainable for some. No. <laughs> uh, but so I, those are the ones that I most often encounter. I'm sure a lot of people say Rogowski second floor. Um, yeah. You know, I have actually enjoyed the WRC. Mm-hmm. Like it's a nice welcoming space to walk in. There's a lot of uh, area for you to, to go. Um, so I like the WRC. Um, and honestly, the McCarthy uh, basement bathroom, mostly because oh. there's very little traffic that goes all the way down, uh, yeah, all the way down there. So, right. That's some, nice bathroom. some good privacy if you need it there. Yeah, but don't go Ambrose fourth floor or Lewis Hall. Or if you want, we found out that our favorite bathroom in Galvin is not like eco friendly or not eco friendly. So, uh, um, it's ableist. Yeah, oh. it's not like, very good yeah. for wheelchairs. For wheelchairs. I mean, to be fair, that's true of a lot of bathrooms, right? right. Because the doors are traditionally made you have to be capable of pulling them open and then navigating through and around them so and then at least on the guy side very few of the stalls are handicap accessible so Mm, interesting i don't even think about that because i've never been in a guy's bathroom life goals no (laughs) right after graduation (laughs) just gonna run around that's like I'm rebelling. I'm I'm gonna go look at the men's bathroom. There you <laughs> go. <the> stalls. <laughs> Stick it to the man, right? I will not follow your gender conforming yeah. ideals. You can't control me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your evil voice. Yeah. Do like, I have an evil voice? It's like all nasally. Oh. Like, yeah, fair enough. Drink water. You can ask the next question. Yes. Our these are our favorite questions to ask. Okay. So kind of um we have, I don't know why we started asking questions about cults, was my idea. but we just like have been building on and asking more and more questions each time. So the first question is, what cult would you want to start on campus? Like what would people believe in? So I know Amy Blair said the cult of Matthew Coomber. Mm-hmm. So I will wholeheartedly agree with that, but I will try to find something different. Hmm. I think we asked her who would, who do we think, or who would she want to start a cult? Yeah, but this is like your own personal cult. Yeah. I wish there was a cult of people who sat outside regularly. Mm. Like, like refused to go inside? Well, enjoyed any nice oh, weather no. outside. Like yeah. when I was in college, I was outside as much as I could be, yeah. you know, just hanging out on the quad. Even if it was like 55 and cloudy, you know, mm, I was right. still outside. And at my office in Lewis, I have three windows that overlook the quad that like go towards Ambrose and McMullen. Mm-hmm. So when I look out there and I see people, often it's people with dogs, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me happy to see people sitting outside enjoying the outdoor space because we do have really nice outdoor spaces. Um, so I would have an outdoor sitting cult, I think is what I, I like choose. That. You guys always give so like, 
wholesome answers. We want you to be evil. I know. <laughs> I I think to add a twist on this, I'm just going to contribute to your cult idea. Perfect. You cannot, you refuse to go inside. That's going to be really hard with yeah. classes. But that's your why class it's a cult outside. because it's weird. E well, that's true. Um, so if you were to explore this further, where would be your outdoor bathroom facilities? I don't know. But I have an idea for class. You have to look through the you windows. You get like porta potties. No, because that's Inside. indoors. Is it? You walk into a door. In order to go in a porta potty, you could just freely go in the bush. Yeah, but where? Like, you want to have it discreet. Where? Where would be your favorite outdoor bathroom on campus? Oh, you should ask that question. That's a good question. When the prairie grasses come up on campus, that'd <laughs> be my go-to go spot. You could hide through there. And there are parts of the bioswale that's right next to the WRC. So, oh yeah, um, that little creek area it's an intentional planting to prevent water runoff um but um in between there and mccarthy it has a lot of stuff that comes up too so mm -hmm. that could be an option as well you could totally make this cold <laughs> that's what i think you could even combine yours and lisa powell's because hers was like a all like women and inclusive and like hold hands and run to the prairie mm -hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i would totally be on board with converting a most of the green space on campus into farmland and we could like oh. homestead on St. Ambrose University um, and we could like fully embrace the hippie lifestyle. Yes. So, yeah. well, sometime we're going to get someone to say something evil. That's our, the next yeah. question we have to ask, we like, it has to be evil. So the thing is, Emma, all of us professors are nefarious enough to know that we have to present a wholesome image Ugh. so we know that if you weren't recording we would say something like this is true crazy but that's not the case right now the market it correctly correct oh, yeah fine. if we weren't recording what cult would you start me sure oh i don't know i haven't thought about that <laughs> probably an unsustainable development goals cult <laughs> I misread it. <laughs> I just I just imagine everybody with like styrofoam containers <laughs> packed up everywhere and um you know just burning oil right in the middle of campus. We're the unsustainable folks. <laughs> That'd be so bad. And you could like draw a line down the middle of campus. This side is the sustainability warriors and these are the unsustainable <laughs> development folks. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the prairie could be the dividing line. We'd have like a civil war. I say, oh my God. they could they could um, clear all of the trees on the that side of campus, and you could really like see the stark comparison. That would be an evil cult. See, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. Perfect. You You're welcome. You had potentially said push. <laughs> the push. <laughs> Who would be your like right hand person then, if, on your cult, like the one you'd tell ever to do everything? My sitting outside cult. Mm -hmm. You know, Dan Reardon Hale often mm. holds classes outside, mm -hmm. and he is a doer on campus. Mm -hmm. He is excellent at getting things accomplished. So he would be a wonderful person to have work for me and for me to tell him, I think this is a great idea, and then it would be done. That's a great oh. answer. Mm, thank I you. I like that. Yeah. Nice. So Laura uh, had this next question. Wait, did oh wait, I did mine. this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought it was you. Okay, who do you think would win in a fight, me or Laura, in the physical and verbal fight? Okay, let's start physical. <laughs> so, anytime you challenge one another to a fight, maybe you've seen West Side Story or things like that, you have to lay the ground rules. So, oh. are you bare knuckle fighting? 
Do, do you have weapons? Are you wrestling? Are you boxing? Oh, I didn't think this through. Could we have like swords, like little like yeah. or bats? Bats? This is telling me a lot about your opinion of Emma, Laura. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you had said like, oh, well, maybe we'll wrestle for a little bit, I would think you were friends, but Laura goes straight for, I want to stab her or hit her. <laughs> At least you didn't go for guns, so that's that's a win. I don't like guns. Yeah, I don't either. But. Maybe just like fist fight. Or you could play like all natural. You could play like king of the hill, queen of the hill in your case. Oh. So you gotta like push each other off of the top, and and who's the top? That works. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, so I think Emma has athletic skills on her side. But I think Laura would know how to leverage the rules just enough without breaking them <laughs> that she could find Emma's inefficiencies and get to the top. I agree. Mm. I used to play sports in high school, too. I just don't play them here. Oh, I believe that. I didn't say you were like a pile of fluff. <laughs> I said that Emma had the athletic skills ability. I, does it mean I'm very strong though? Yeah. I need more insight into and, what. And your things. your center of gravity is higher, so especially That's if we're true. thinking like yeah. pushing someone over. Laura has the advantage. Laura does have a lower center of gravity, mm. so. Okay, so that's physical, <laughs> verbal. Like you're you're arguing, you're hurling insults at each other. Yes. Who would cry first? <laughs> Laura, I think this is gonna hurt your feelings, but Emma, I think you're too nice. I'm too nice. I think Laura would win because Emma is too nice. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think the person who asked about swords and bats as part of fighting would probably be willing to throw more barbs. <laughs> Emma would be like, "Well, you're short," <laughs> and Laura would go straight for the throat. So that's funny because a lot of people like, like I can be like very mean if I want to be. I just like kind of like I've talked before. I'm kind of lazy, so I just don't want to. <laughs> But I can be. Yeah, and I guess I would also say, knowing your two personalities, I think Laura would be more likely to embrace conflict as, like, an opportunity, as, like, a challenge, like, something to overcome. And you would view conflict as something to be avoided. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean by you're too nice. Like, Yeah. Okay, Laura, that was far enough. Like, I don't want it. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it anymore. I like how you like answer the questions because you like really think it through. Yeah. And Laura and I are just like word vomit whatever yeah. we think. Well, to be fair, I am a scientist. Yeah. The whole point of my job is to evaluate the situation, collect the data, and come to an objective evaluation. That's true. I don't act quickly. Your mind thinks quickly. It does. And that, that took many years of training and some natural abilities, but mm-hmm. yeah. Try to process and think through it and then come to one statement and move on. So, so sorry, I Emma. I think Laura's going to win ah! and verbal. So, so I'm like a conf- conflictual person. What's the word for that? Conflict-seeking. Conflict-seeking. At least compared to Emma Duncan. <laughs> you don't strike me as a conflict-seeking individual, but if, compared, if compared to her, I, I think you would win those conflicts. You're <laughs> welcome. The, the beauty of the backhanded compliment. We all have. She's too nice, so you would win. We have different strengths. Laura. We all have different strengths. That's true. Um, I'll skip the last question. I feel like we should get into like the topic. Sure. Yeah. Um. Oh, so the first thing that we were gonna talk about 
was the new study that just came out about the oh, right. microplastics in the blood. Yeah. Because Sam actually DM'd us and just like asked if we could talk about it. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, so I read one of the articles on it. I think it was the Smithsonian one. Yeah. So it said that researchers found plastic in the blood of 17 out of 22 of the study participants, which is about 77%. Um, and they said they could have been exposed to those microplastics through like air, water, food, or like personal care items like mm-hmm. toothpaste, lip gloss, mm-hmm. or like dental stuff. Mm-hmm. And microplastics are basically just like they're just tiny little plastic particles that are found like, like everywhere. Smaller than you can see. Yes. Like microscopic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was a really important study because it's kind of like a breakthrough result. Um, they've never found like microplastics in blood before. Yeah. Like they found it in other places, like in your body, I mm-hmm. think, but not in your blood. Yeah, it gets absorbed into tissues pretty easily, honestly. But they haven't really seen it at a, at a cellular level. So, for the the uninformed listener, um, we have tons of plastic that get disposed, and a lot of it ends up in places we don't want. So, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch this huge landfill in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening with a lot of that plastic is, you know, plastic is very, very malleable, very flexible. And especially if it gets hit by UV radiation, it starts to warp, it starts to change shape. So you can have big plastic pieces, um, you know, think like a plastic bag um, or Tupperware containers or things like that. And they can start to degrade into these smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And eventually they get into the food chain or into our water um, so people can consume it without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there's a lot in consumer products as well. Yes. Um, so we have a lot of microplastics that are in Nalgene bottles, for example. And if it gets hot, those microplastics can leach out. You can drink it. And our bodies are like designed to try to address these sorts of invasive particles getting into us. You know, our stomach is super acidic so that it Mm -hmm. breaks all of that down. We have bacteria in our intestines that are going to help break it down. But sometimes they're small enough, they sneak through, they get actually absorbed into our tissues. Um, So Mm -hmm. people who have been exposed to rubber pellets on turf fields and things like that, um, they found it in their skin. Yeah, and there there are actually increased incidences of cancer uh, associated Uh, with people who play on turf fields and things like that. I did not know that. How does that get in your skin? Like, so it basically rubs. Yeah, and and the plastic is so small; it's way smaller than your pores. So it can actually sneak into the pores, or if you've got a cut from athletics or things like that, it can get into the body's tissues that way. But you're totally right. It it has been absorbed into tissues for a long time. I mean microplastics are in most of our seafood at this Mm -hmm. point. It's disgusting. It's terrible. Um, But we haven't necessarily found it at a cellular level until recently Mm -hmm. in humans. And one of the huge concerns associated with this is if it's in the blood, it can be passed on very easily to fetuses. So it can can pass through placenta and other things like that. It can get into cells more easily. So there might be concerns associated with microplastics impacting cellular function, DNA Mm. mutations, other things like that. Um, So someone's going to, like, give birth to, like, a plastic baby. (sighs) 
in a few years. I mean, it's totally going to happen. Yeah, it's it's a reality at this point. We we have so many microplastics. You know, if you're sitting on any sort of bed sheet or couch, the upholstery has plastic liners that are stain blockers and other things like that. And sometimes those rub off. Sometimes they get hot and they leach. Uh, so, we, you know, we've been exposed to that for a long time. It's kind of an inevitability that we yeah. would end up absorbing it into our bodies and we don't know what's going to happen with it yet. Yeah, that's kind of so. what the study said too. Like they need to do more research about like the human health risks involved mm -hmm. with that, right. like in the bloodstream and that said something about if it'll, if it can be like eliminated at all mm -hmm. or if it's going to be like retained in certain organs or like accumulate or if it's able to pass the blood brain barrier. So right. I'm just assuming that means it go to your brain. Yeah. So our brain has specialized structures that are going to help regulate what goes on in your brain versus what goes on in the rest of your body because it has nerve impulses and other mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also have big concerns associated with our liver and then potentially also with our spleen because those are kind of the trash collectors, detoxifiers. Um, so concerns with overtaxing those organs can lead to long-term health concerns. So mm -hmm. instead of it being alcohol poisoning, it could be microplastic poisoning in the future. So, Do you know like some of the potential like causes from microplastics like on your health or yeah, so a lot of microplastics actually mimic different hormones that we have in our bodies. So hormones are basically chemical messengers that tell our cells to do stuff. So human growth hormone is a very common one. It makes you build muscle. It makes mm -hmm. you grow taller. Okay, If you have hormone mimics in your body, um, they can end up binding to those same cells and preventing the communication from happening. So you can have a lot of developmental issues where your body doesn't grow and change the way it's supposed to oh. because those hormones just keep circulating in your bloodstream and they never actually get to their target cells. And that's one of the concerns associated with fetal microplastics yeah. is they have so many of these developmental right. pathways happening all at once. As an adult, my biggest concern is probably accumulation of microplastics. But if we have these endocrine disruptors, which is what we call a lot of these different chemicals, we can actually end up harming how the body is growing, how it's developing, how it's regulating itself. Uh, so there can be a lot of concerns, you know, from not being able to take up oxygen as appropriately from your lungs oh, wow. to being infertile. Like, mm. it, it basically runs the gamut there. Anything that develops and grows and changes could be affected. So really, really scary, and a lot is unknown so far. Um, but it's it's certainly going to be a part of our lives moving forward, too. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, I was going <laughs> to... I like speechless. <laughs> I saw it. This is a making, like, fun of, like, a bad situation. But um, I saw a tweet on Twitter, and it was like... I hate when I see these headlines about, like, microplastics in your blog because I don't tell you what to do. And someone, like, replied and said, oh, just use a cheesecloth to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sounds oh good. Yeah, I guess to me it underlines the importance of making important personal health decisions. Yeah. You know, so, for example, I'm drinking, drinking out of an aluminum bottle right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's reusable. It doesn't expose me to the same sorts of plastics. And you can't remove all of that from your life. Mm -hmm. The fact yeah. is we live inside, even if we want to live in an outdoor cult. Um, <laughs> and that indoor exposure means we are going to encounter a bunch of stuff regardless. But True. we can choose to limit some of our right. exposure to that. Yeah. So. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, 
Well, I was because uh, I read the article, but you added a lot more information that I right. had not known or thought about. So thanks. Yeah, no, no, that was good. <laughs> One of the beauties of environmental science is that it can get depressing pretty darn fast. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one kind of like article that we looked at was about conspicuous conspicuous consumption and conspicuous conservation yeah so there's a a historical trend um this is the american dream personified um conspicuous consumption people want other people to know their status Um, they have status symbols they Mm -hmm. accumulate these resources that they don't necessarily need so that they look more powerful they look more wealthy they are perceived as someone of importance Um, so that was coined conspicuous consumption it was Mm -hmm. obvious it was clear you made decisions based on how other people would perceive you. Yeah. Um, and we started to see in the 1990s and the 2000s, a lot of people start to push back against that. They said, that's not the lifestyle I want to lead. It's not environmentally sustainable. It's not good for my um, psychological well-being, my mental health. Um, and it's not necessarily good from an economic perspective. So we started to see this shift, mostly in more liberal areas, more progressive regions of the country, um, Berkeley, California, Boulder, Colorado, um, Boston, Massachusetts, where people would essentially do the exact opposite. They would make decisions that were clearly and intentionally chosen because people would perceive them in a certain sort of way. Mm -hmm. So choosing the Patagonia coat, um, buying a Toyota Prius instead of a Hummer, Mm -hmm. essentially flipping this idea of conspicuous consumption on its head by virtue signaling, this is something that's important to me and I'm going to acquire goods associated with it. You're still acquiring goods. And that's one of the challenges associated with living a sustainable lifestyle is that we all want to look cool, we want to be part of the in crowd, even if we're doing that by trying to seem like the out crowd, if that makes sense. You know, I have a Patagonia shoulder bag. It's really well made, but one of the reasons I have it is because it's Patagonia, and that cachet means something to people. Um, And we run into this concern, it's something called green consumerism, where people feel really good that, hey, I've got a Patagonia bag, or I've got this reusable aluminum water bottle, But in the end, we're still acquiring resources that we don't necessarily need. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really hard from a sociological and psychological perspective to try to overcome because we're always fighting these battles and, and trying to balance all of these different values all at once. Mm-hmm. So big sustainability challenge, but we're seeing a lot of progress with it, too. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. Like, well, green consumerism is an oxymoron anyway, because yeah. like anything consumerism is automatically unsustainable that's right because like using resources Mm -hmm. but you can't like avoid using all resources yeah and that's that's one of the arguments um i think the term was introduced sort of tongue-in-cheek um which basically says you know what people are going to acquire goods Mm -hmm. the vast majority of americans are going to own a car Mm -hmm. so if they own a car that's more environmentally friendly than another car Right. That's still the lesser of two evils. True. You know, True. the best case scenario is nobody owns a car and we all take public transportation. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to own a car, it may as well be the more environmentally friendly option. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. But you're totally right. We just shouldn't do it in the first place. Yeah. But we can't turn that part of our brains off very easily. Hmm. Yeah. It gets hard. 
I'd be interested in like learning the evolution like instinct that comes from. It's because we're social organisms. Mm. So, you know, individuals <laughs> individuals want to attain a certain rank within their social structure. Um, so, you know, if we go all the way back to prehistoric times before people were doing conspicuous consumption, <laughs> there were still different class levels. Right. You know, you had the chieftain, you had the shaman, you had the hunters, right. you had the gatherers, you had the people who stayed in the village all day. And each of those came with different status symbols. And often it came with the ability to reproduce, the ability to get the first cuts of meat. You know, so it, it has been ingrained, and if you think about it, the same thing happens with wolf packs or with lions. Right. You know, they all have these same sorts of instinctual urges to acquire and to have more than others because that actually benefits your individual survival and reproduction even when you're in a social structure. So there is an evolutionary component to it. Right. We as humans are animals, whether we want to accept that or not. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to try to rewire our brains on the fly. So. so I should just tell people who are like buying a lot of stuff. I'm like, you're just thinking like a lion right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go too far down that path. Uh, lions do a lot of uh, pretty crazy things. I know. You take over a new pride, you kill all the babies so that you uh. can have more offspring. Yeah, it's terrifying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so don't be too much like a lion, okay? <laughs> Laura and I always had this thing that we were going to, I don't know what podcast, what episode it was, it was but we were doing like, um, and we said we're going to make our guests do that. Can you say rar? I can. I am capable. <laughs> do it right now. Yes. I don't think I have to take commands here, do I? <laughs> Your honor. You can, We're in charge. We just talked about the hierarchy. You can, you can interview my daughter and she'll give you a good roar. Oh, that'd be so, so cute. Yeah. That's funny. kind of fun. But um, it's like kind of the article I was reading about that said that real change and impact has to come through sacrifice. And like, because obviously, like making small changes and like what you're buying will help but like it's better to just forego things than to right make a different choice but like anything's better than nothing at that's this point. that's totally true you know i i know a lot of people whenever they're starting on the sustainability track they're they're thinking about red meat which is a great starting point mm -hmm. and just doing meatless mondays is better than eating meat those extra 52 times a year and those incremental changes can add up over time, you know, it's something that we talk about in sustainability a lot. It's something called a stabilization wedge. If you make a small change now and that change persists and it mm -hmm. compounds into other changes, you can have a lot of long-term benefits to lifestyle changes. And it does require sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I am predominantly vegetarian. Um, certainly, the, most of my meat consumption comes from fish, so I'm, I'm pescatarian. Um, but there are still times where I crave a steak. Yeah. And it has been three and a half years since I've eaten a steak. And I still sometimes smell a steak in a restaurant mm -hmm. or I walk by the calf and I'm like, oh, that sounds good. Um, and that is a sacrifice. Yeah. And, you know, it is a challenge. You know, it is a conscious decision that you have to make to do something different. And that, that can be hard. And it can be complicated. Mm -hmm. so. That's true. Mm -hmm. Thank you for mentioning that wedge thing, though, because you were talking about it in class the other day, and I missed that. So thank you for the review. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You can add it to your notes after the podcast. 
Uh. Oh, we were talking about also like all the cool stuff, the new innovations that are coming from like using um, plastic trash from the ocean that can turn into running shoes. Like Adidas was doing that. That's super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So for whatever reason, any environmental science course that I teach, so whether that's biology 109, environmental science, or biology 108, which is MS class, Mm -hmm. climate change and human health, it starts depressing. And that's just the reality of the science right now. Um, There's a lot of concerns that human society have caused on our planet and as a result, our people. But, and this is always the end of the course, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening. Um, So humans are so fantastic at solving problems. So we've created a lot of problems. And in fact, we've layered on additional problems with some of our climate change and, and environmental sustainability issues. But we have really, really smart people. And if they're given the money and the resources and the time to actually figure out those problems, they've come up with some really cool ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, your example with... Um, Ocean cleanup and Adidas making running shoes is just one example. Um, Pepsi just announced that they're going to convert all of their Pepsi bottles to recycled plastic, which wasn't something we could do as few as five years ago because plastic has a very specific lifespan Mm -hmm. and recycling it is really complicated, which is why a lot of plastic can't be recycled. But a lot of these companies are committing to this, not only because the innovation is there, but because the market makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's tons of free plastic trash floating around everywhere. If somebody can collect it and they can figure out how to repurpose it, Mm -hmm. they basically have an unlimited resource to be able to make whatever products they need. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And there's a lot of really cool technological innovations. Um, I will I will plug the my key source of innovations here. Um, so we live in the time called the Anthropocene. Um, so like anthropology, the era of human domination. And there is a, a magazine, which is mostly online at this point. I get weekly digest from it, but it's called the Anthropocene magazine. Oh, okay. And they basically just collect all of these cool articles about what's happening in sustainability. And they say, here are the opportunities for us to change the system, for us to make shoes out of recycled plastic or to take carbon dioxide out of the air and turn it into concrete that we can use to build materials. Concrete? Yeah. What? Concrete. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really crazy, all of the different ideas that are out there. I mean... Engineers are way smarter than I will ever think I am. Um, And if they get the opportunity to tinker and to explore, they can find a lot of solutions to stuff. So there's a lot of hope out there from a sustainability perspective. You know, a lot of climate change scientists really think there isn't necessarily going to have to be a huge lifestyle change by people like you and me in order for us to be sustainable, because if we change the systems enough, mm-hmm. if we convert to these newfangled energy technologies, which are way more efficient already, and we're already at 84% of our electricity here in Iowa from renewables, our lives aren't going to change because of that. If our food is prepared in a more sustainable way, we're still going to eat food. Yeah. If our cars have fewer emissions, because engineers are super smart... <laughs> We're still going to drive cars, but it's going to be better for the environment. Yeah. So lots of hope, lots of excitement if we're able to invest in it the way we should. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I... 
I could never be an engineer or like oh someone who invents things. Like I, I cannot like grasp the concept of like Wi-Fi. Like how do people make that? I don't understand. Or like electricity. Yeah. What? What is that? What is electricity? What oh is yeah. Electricity? So I, I will give a plug. Um, if you really want to explore, so. People nowadays, we have the internet, we can learn from a lot of others. Um, you should really explore Nikola Tesla. So working in the 1800s, basically at the same time as Edison, mm -hmm. he came up with all of those ideas. Electrical systems that were better than Edison. So what happened? He understood transmitting information over, he wanted to do it through the earth, like basically oh. use the earth to use um, shakings and he actually caused earthquakes in new york city a few what? times yeah as he <laughs> was like he was trying to basically figure out what the exact right frequency was to send a message several miles through new york city and he basically caused a mini earthquake i'd be so mad and <laughs> like this scientist again is causing earthquakes. yeah it's it's crazy and there's a lot of truth if you've ever seen the movie the prestige um where mm -hmm. tesla is out in colorado springs and he's playing around with electrical fields and basically powering light bulbs without wires he understood that you could do that and you can do that and he was doing that in a time before the internet ah. like he How does he, he was so crazy smart it was super fantastic so That's if you want to explore tesla is a great inspiration for a lot of the crazy ideas that we have nowadays Dang. what i feel like i'm just like a meager little human I, like I have no skills in this man's like oh. we, I know how to work electricity <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah yeah we definitely stand on the shoulders of giants there's yeah there is a lot of truth to that statement the engineers who are doing fantastic things now they couldn't have done it without people like Tesla or Albert Einstein basically reinventing the field of calculus yeah like, it's crazy so Super smart people out there. It's yeah. exciting that we live in a time with those people. Yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy. Tesla and Edison are dead, but there are other <laughs> super smart is, people. Yeah. On, no, we didn't know that. We were, had no idea. We had no idea. Gentle reader, I didn't want you to be confused and go out and try to take a selfie with uh, Einstein or anything. Like Tesla. That. <laughs> That's funny, though. Oh. But yeah, there's a lot of exciting things. And I. Also, we talked about in class the other day, um, it was yesterday, about how we're going to, like, start moving towards, like, more renewable energy sources, not because, always because, like, people want to be sustainable, but because it'll become cheaper because it's being produced more, and also fossil fuels are limited. They're not renewing. So mm -hmm. that we're going to, like, maybe even get there not even because people care, but yeah. because they want right. to pay less. Kicking and screaming. Yeah. So yeah. so oil is really fascinating, you know, not Big only. oil. Ew. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, thinking about it from an engineering perspective, you know, it's it's gasoline, it's motor oil, it's rocket fuel. Yes. But it's also plastic. Yeah. You know, pretty much all plastic is synthesized and distilled from crude mm -hmm. oil. Mm -hmm. There may be additional chemical components to it, but. At a base level, it's the same hydrocarbons. And one of the challenges with that, as plastic boomed and the automotive industry boomed all around the world, is we started extracting so much oil that we actually reached a point about 2005, 2006 called peak oil, oh. where we were actually consuming 
um, and extracting the greatest amount of oil that we could. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these reservoirs of oil, um, mostly underground, and basically the pressure of that oil coming up through a boom, um, thinking about There Will Be Blood or other um, oil movies, um, there's so much pressure under there. If you pop the balloon, all of it comes out. But as you continue to suck up that oil, eventually there's not as much pressure there. So it becomes more complicated, more challenging to draw that oil out. And eventually you literally can't extract as much year over year. And we actually hit that point in 2005, 2006, which is why people are trying to find tar sands and other things like that so we can get new sources of oil. But we're running out of oil. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter whether you like solar panels or wind turbines. Sometime in the next 15 to 20 years, we're not going to have enough to power right. our lifestyles the way we do now. Yeah. Right. So we're going to have to change. Um, yeah. and, and like you said, supply and demand says when things become rare, they become more expensive. Mm-hmm. When solar panels mm-hmm. and wind turbines become more common, they become cheaper. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about that on class, it's like, hee hee yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, we'll have to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are places already in the world that are 100% renewable. Mm-hmm. Portugal has done it. Um, Germany is well on track to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even places like China, which do still have coal-fired power plants, they have tons of electricity generated by hydropower, and they're actually the world's number one solar panel producer. Mm -hmm. So part of that's because they sell it to other countries who don't have the facilities. Um, But there are a lot of examples around the world where they've started to embrace the system Mm -hmm. more than we have in the United States. But again... Iowa, highest per capita wind generation in the United States. And we don't have a government that's super supportive of that. Yeah. But we have an energy industry that says, this is where the market's going, True. and we want to get there first. True. So, But that is exciting in general, though. It is. That we might be able to move in the right direction, even without getting people on board. With Definitely. It. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. Encouraging. Give me hope a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it really feeds the American soul that – oh, I don't have to change and everything will be better. Yeah, you know, it's, exactly. It's a lot easier on a lifestyle perspective. That so. is true. Yeah. Hmm. But there is a lot of hope in the future. Yes. So That is an important thing to talk right. about. Right. Definitely. Because even though it's bad, it's, it can still, it can still do things. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. And we're helping because <laughs> we're warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, have you have you thought about your take action assignment yet? No. So in my climate change and human health class, every student has to take some step, some activity to address specifically climate justice concerns. Yeah. Um, so whether that's letter writing campaigns to lawmakers or redesigning wetlands so to does prevent this count? flood walls. You know, it probably does if Emma decides to start a podcast as the assignment. <laughs> like a side thing. Yeah, so you can have I, Sustainability I, Warriors Plus. I knew coming that. Coming in the summer. I knew this assignment was coming up, so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast with Laura in February, right. and then I'll just like have so much to write about with my assignment. That I just like, I just knew. There you go. See, I'm telling you this now that I just knew about it. We'll see how that works out. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yeah. on today. Absolutely. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I just sitting there like, this man's so yeah, We were just like, Well, thank oh. you. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing from a podcast perspective. I should have been funnier, but oh, I, thought it was I appreciate fun. it. I thought you were funny. Okay, mm, thanks. I thought you were entertaining. It went yeah. by fast. I know. Yeah. It's already been like over Almost, 45 minutes. Yeah. Cool. Just 
talking. This was fun. It was. Just, yeah. Just chilling, talking about the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Let's about solve it. it. Yes. Solve it. Yes. We're going to solve all the issues. Yes. Just us three. No, no, we're going to build capacity. I'm we're just gonna, kidding. I'm just kidding. We're going to have a committee and we're going to hire people. We're starting a cult. Yeah. We're starting an outdoor going potty cult. We've got to find the best place to go outside. I know. Potty. Well, all the prairie grass haven't come up yet. Yeah. Winter would be the real challenge. Mm-hmm. Just Not only from a well, lack great, of vegetation perspective. Great. I'm trying to think. But also from a not wanting to pee outside perspective. What if you just have no shame? Yeah, just do it out in the open. That's illegal. <laughs> I know. Indecent exposure is not appropriate, listener. <sighs> it's okay. That's why I have the disclaimer. <laughs> you can still do it. You can just do it. No cops. You're fine. It's fine. He has no job here. He has to say. Yeah. We can say what we want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I do. Head. I do not support these thoughts. SMH. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Should we? Oh, I have to say this disclaimer before we end. Okay. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA FM, St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University. Nice. Okay. And then we have to say our little. Yeah. A little catchphrase, which we always mess up. But I think we say that every time, but I can never remember it. But I have it written down, so we're going to do it right. And Dennis is going to do it with us. Do you okay. know it? Yeah. You do? Are you sure? Yes. Do okay. you know the order? I, I know the five words in order. <laughs> okay, good. Because yes. we don't. <laughs> Ready? Three, two, one. Go, go bees green. and go. <laughs> you said go green and go what? bees earlier. Oh, wait, you said, said it earlier. No, no. I literally don't know. I think we can just, we'll um, trademark both. <laughs> you totally said go green <gasps> and go yeah, bees earlier. We did. I did not. And then she wrote the other one. I was like, okay, maybe it's Wait, not. is it? I don't okay, know Okay, fine. We'll say what you guys want. <laughs> Three. This is why you would win two. a physical and verbal confrontation. <laughs> this is evidence. Okay, fine. You guys get what you want. <laughs> 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 and look her like old grandpa <laughs> we should go back and like study like or try to like look back through our podcast and see which one we actually say and like see how many times like i messed up but i've said no i was right because it's probably a lot we're gonna trust anything you say anymore. i know Gosh. okay someone so else counted up are we saying green and then bees yes green. okay okay three two one go, go green, green and, and go, go bees, bees. bye, bye.